Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we are reconnecting with e-commerce icon and personal friend of the show, Josh Elizeche, the force of nature behind Snow Oral Care. Today we're going to be checking in on his post-engagement work-life balance, big congrats there, and how he's driven Snow to number three on the list of biggest D2C brands behind only Shine and Fashion Nova, and why ultimately the whole D2C audience should be thinking in billions rather than in millions. Josh is always amazing to catch up with. I hope you enjoy it too. You will never think big enough. To the end of your life, you'll say, I wish I would have thought even bigger. Your job as an entrepreneur is to architect opportunity for consumers and to also engineer the opportunity for your team members and your partners and your investors to multiply their currency in this game so that they can impact more. Whatever you're doing, offline, SaaS, whatever business you're working in, I'm gonna think billions, but not just because I wanna be a billionaire. It's because what I'm working on matters that much and I'm willing to spend the rest of my waking hours pouring myself into smart work, creating higher value work, delegating to great people and giving them space to grow in their leadership. That's how you build something to billions. Did you know that the subscription market is predicted to grow to over $2.6 trillion by 2028? As a fast-growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Recharge powers the growth for over 15,000 subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customer relationships. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omni-channel brand, merchants who use Recharge are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty, and higher average order values. So turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with the subscriptions payment solution trusted by over 50 million consumers worldwide by heading over to rechargepayments.com forward slash DTC. Josh, welcome back to the D2C podcast. It's been a minute since you've been here. I first of all just want to start off by saying congratulations on your engagement. I've seen you just relentlessly scaling businesses for the past, whatever, five years now. And to see you, uh, you know, make that investment and in growth on, on your personal side. How's life as an engaged man, as a fiance? It's incredible. Uh, it's, you don't know until you know in terms of the feeling, I guess, and the, the result and uh, so many people uh, coming out of the woodwork to um, congratulate in, in a positive way and kind of talk about the merits of and the positivity of partnership and marriage and all that stuff. And so, you know, it's it, it was nice. It was very nice to, to feel that. And then on the personal front, I've been relentlessly focused on personal development uh, as much as I, I can be um, because you do too much of it that becomes a job but uh, yeah that's been that's been there and part of that is engagement and the life change and we're, we're looking at on the personal side uh, looking at building a family and looking at you know what comes next you know with engagement and we're taking things slow and there's no definitive time uh, timeline to that but it's been nice because uh, it definitely on the business side of things um, uh, whether you're single or in a relationship, uh, having those ducks in a row um, as much as possible, right? Um, definitely helps alignment. It's all about alignment, you know, from friendships, partnerships, etc. Um, and striving for that alignment is just it's a it's a constant exercise for sure. But it's great. I love it. I feel great. I feel like a changed man. Um, I feel, I guess- Has your work-life balance changed at all yet? Has your work-life balance been altered or is it sort of uh, status quo? Man, I mean- <laughs> From the beginning, I think Charlie knew that you know my sport is business, my my obsession and my focus on entrepreneurship, my focus on community development, the work we do at Powerhouse and the events and uh, the TV show and all this stuff. Um, she's a strong supporter of it, so I think that from a work-life balance perspective, I've been fortunate to you know hire some incredible people, uh, you know, in Snow and and the other investments um, that I'm involved in, other brands that don't rely on me from a day-to-day -day perspective to drive every single sale or to do every single hire or every single interview. So I'm fortunate in terms of having invested in that infrastructure. So my work-life balance has improved over the last two years or three years as a result of that conscious effort to move myself to higher value work for the organization, which I found that, you know, 
me jumping into emails and spending hours in there is not necessarily the best use of my time. So I would say it's improved. It's improved a lot. And Charlie's been a really strong partner and not just supporting the work that I do in the business world and being a, an incredible confidant and, and sounding board for a lot of things, but also on the personal side, keeping me present. My friends do that too. I think my friends, even in the community, when we run Powerhouse, it's business, but we're also people and we're, we also want to make sure that you know we're making memories with friends and family uh, along the way. At this point, your best people probably have best people and maybe have best people. Like, so there's a real insulation. Like I, you know, with my business, we're just, we're at 10. We're about to go to 14, actually, just in the next uh, few weeks, probably. It's so cool. And I have these great people who now are hiring their their leads kind of thing. So, and the further you do that of just chains of great people, the, the, the more you insulate yourself, uh, as long as you're still present, as you say. Yeah, so I mean, you, you got to give them space. You know, I think- Quiet managing. That's the term. I've heard of this quiet quitting thing. I heard the other day about quiet managing, which is really, it's, it's about being aligned and, and with the incentives being the right way and being having the right alignment. And then your management style can be a lot more quiet, I find. Yes, you're a hundred percent. It, that's perfect. I mean, it, the truth is put that simply going through the process from, you know, reading every book on delegation, um, uh, reading, um, the e-myth and the e-myth revisited and, Okay, I've got to move, and then you know, rich dad, poor dad, the the cash flow quadrant, and all of these things, right? These these conventional wisdoms, but then you go to actually do it, and it's scary. It's different. Uh, it can be scary um, because you say, "Well, I'm going to hire someone that they're going to make more money than I'm making in this business," or this person, you know, is you know, they could change the way that the business operates, and what if it goes bad, and and I end up looking like a fool. Uh, you know, who knows, right? They take my idea, you know, early on in the business and they just, they see that, you know, I don't have a lot of stuff set up so they can just take what I have and, and, and do it somewhere else. And so there's a lot of this scarcity, a lot of fear that is recurring and it's especially recurring when the business doesn't have its own legs. It doesn't have pillars. And so, and you see that in a lot of spaces and you see that in a lot of small businesses, it's, it's natural, it's primal, it's survival. We have to hunt and, and like, you know, I'm going to a business conference and I got I have an objective. And so you don't get to really operate from abundance. And I've, I've kind of had to go through that cycle over the last 15 years of operating from scarcity and abundance, uh, scarcity uh, mindset, and then moving toward abundance over the last few years from a leadership perspective as well. Because there's one thing on the personal side where you have to say, okay, uh, I've invested in myself enough. I have enough skill sets that I know that I'll always have, uh, you know, a, a job, a purpose, you know, in some community, in some aspect. And you start to relieve that pressure of I may be impoverished one day or I may, you know, this imposter syndrome. It's, I talk about it a lot because it is something that just is recurring, not just with me, but I found that a lot of people that reach out after podcasts are like, hey, I've I've had those thoughts inside of my head, even if you're making $100 million a year, a billion dollars a year, a dollar a year, it doesn't matter. Those recurring thoughts are natural and it's important for you to gain control of that. Um, I think it's the media and social media. There's a lot out there gaming. There's a lot out there to kind of turn your brain into mush. And to put, and so limiters, have to, be, to put limiters on what you're capable of or of like what you're even willing to allow yourself to think you're capable of in a you, way, man. right? It numbs you. It's it's sad to see because all of that time, you know, and I love playing video games. They're phenomenal. I love watching sports. I love playing sports. I love all those things. But you, you, there is a lot of spent effort, you know, in that direction. And when someone could spend that effort in investing in themselves, even if that's going and getting a massage instead of, you know, betting on another horse or, you know, these things that you can control are so, so important. And I think that media, because media benefits and profits from us kind of outsourcing our mind to these places, the apps and stuff like that. And I see it because I sit on the advertiser side of things as someone who spent hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising. I, I, I know and we know how to utilize that to get our products in front of people. But then you kind of look at kind of the result of that and I say, wow, if we could build a conscious organization, even with 10 people, five people, one starts with one person, and you say, okay, and what you mentioned is you, you hire people and you create the alignment of incentives beyond financial. It's not just about, very important, financial is very important, but beyond just the financial, what is someone going to spend, you know, a third of their life 
working on and they're choosing to do so on your project. The meaning. What are you the meaning? Do? Dave Steele at that pilot house always refers to it as like the shield of meaning in a way. And if you can get people aligned on your meeting, like D2C, we're going to be the oracle of all things D2C e-commerce. So you say that in team meetings and you know, it just people can kind of get behind that vision and they want to be a part of it and 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 they want to lend their efforts to to create that meaning in their lives as well. And then, yeah, and then what does that mean to them specifically? Because it's like, you know, okay, you take snow and you say, all right, we want to build the, the global leader in premium oral care. And we want to continue to carve out the oral cosmetics uh, subcategory, um, which we're really excited about. And so that's great. And then what do we do? A mission statement, you know, we empower people through their smiles. We have them feel more confident. You know, we have all of those sayings. And then you have the day-to-day life of, Someone that's like, okay, this is great. I want to help millions of people smile better. I, I, I love our products. This is great. But you know what I really love is I would really love to not struggle when I pay my daycare bill every month when I come here to work. Or I'd love more work from home flexibility because I have to pay for daycare. And then that eats into this. And then I'm, I'm kind of stressed out. So th- there's that like layer that no matter what role in the organization, if you can get true alignment, and now you can't solve everybody's problems and you can't get everybody a, a, a Jeep or something, like, but you, if you can align what's really in there, and it's like, look, I, I, not everybody wants to ascend in your organization and become the next CEO. Someone might wanna become a master at product development and they really wanna be known around the world for product formulation or packaging design. Okay, that's important. Well, we should be applying to packaging awards well, let's hire a firm that can help us do that. Would you work with that firm to make sure that we're applying to as many awards as possible? Oh, that's amazing. And would it be okay if your name was also on the award to represent? Would you be willing to fly out to Washington, D.C. to take the award and represent the company? And now we have something to work toward that's tangible. It's challenging, but it's tangible. And that's something of high expectation, low pressure. But if you gain alignment with the right people, you have to have the right people. The right people, what are the right people? Right people, it's subjective a little bit to your organization, but I would say in general, in smaller organizations, you're not looking for someone that is just looking to skate by. And anyone could say this. I don't want someone that's just corporate and gonna skate by. You know, I want someone that could wear multiple hats. Well, you also have to think about the person that you're bringing on. If you want them to wear multiple hats, they will wear multiple hats. I'll wear multiple hats. If you told me that I can get something that I desire, whether it's monetary, material, Maybe it's a title, maybe it's a position, maybe it's a level of authority, maybe it's a level of work from home flexibility. What is that? And then you put together a plan as the leader of the organization or the leader of the department and say, okay, how does that align with my incentive as well? Because we have to align it all the way through. What doesn't align and how do we correct that? And that's where sometimes I'll come in to massage the strategy around how do we gain true alignment down to thinking about what does, um, for certain organizations, profit sharing initiatives make a lot of sense? You know, how does the leadership team take part in something that's non-equity because maybe the business isn't gonna IPO, maybe the business isn't gonna sell tomorrow, but you want to incentivize people upfront, in the middle, and best case scenarios, at the end, all three, right? And so a lot of people are looking just upfront. If you're hiring, you know, a salary, you're like, okay, in the middle, I need you to help me manage this stuff. But if you can gain true alignment through all three of those areas per person, per department, and then you teach your leaders that you're bringing onto the team that are responsible for replicating this and hiring other people, they now are looking for a candidate that's going to ascend in that model. Someone that doesn't need a lot of handholding because they're ready to prove themselves to themselves. It's almost like you gotta gotta get out of their way and then you go, Hey, what do you really want? Well, I really been wanting to take my family on a Disneyland vacation, and I, you know, the last job I promised them that, but you know, I got furloughed, and and you hear that, and you go, wait a second, well, how much does that cost? Okay, five grand, that should cover it, right? Yeah, that should be good. Okay, well, you need that after taxes, so I can't just give you five grand bonus if you hit this. So okay, it needs to be seventy five hundred. So we get the real numbers there, and now that person goes, oh, okay, so if I call back twenty more customers per day. I'm gonna hit that thing, I'll do it right now, I'll call 40 more. And now all of a sudden alignment versus this quiet quitting and all this stuff that's, that we're hearing about, it's because there's not an alignment of those incentives anymore. People have kind of become disillusioned with 
the purpose of their work. And it's the role of the entrepreneur and it's the role of the leader to find true alignment in order to reignite. And golly, when someone's eyes light up, when you, when you have that alignment, they go, oh, what I'm doing has this effect on the organization. This is my purpose. Wow, I can go home and they say, how is work? Same old, same old. I can explain how work was and I can explain why it's important. That gives me purpose. And that takes conversations. That takes teaching leadership. It takes breaking bad habits, maybe getting rid of bad apples in your organization. And Failing starts, fast sometimes. You got to fail fast. You got to And fail from other people's stuff. Listen to this podcast and be like, oh, okay. I got to elevate the people I'm going for today. I can't be like, all right, if I'm going to pay you this, you got to do all these things, right? So much pressure, high pressure, high expectation. You're going to burn people out and they're not going to want to work with you. So you got to be willing to fail fast. You got to be willing to fire when you need to. Fire fast, yeah. In alignment. And a lot of times firing, I found the more you work on leadership, I'm finding is that when you have to let go of someone, many times it's because you realize their growth has stagnated in your organization. And that once you realize that as a leader, is like you, you're holding this person back. And even though there's loyalty and you wanna hold that person there because they've been there and like, well, you gotta give them a, a shot, they're, they're learning it. And the end goal is the business. If the business is not profitable, if the business cannot afford to continue to grow, everybody on the team suffers. And so I think that it becomes harder as the business grows. You go from 10 people, 20 people, 40 people, 60 people. The tolerance for um, complacency in, in growth minded and the growth mindset. Like I said, not everybody wants to be CEO. Not everybody wants to drive all the sales. Not but the growth minded in terms of am I challenging myself in my role every day and what's the purpose of that? That's why you see a lot of quiet quitting. And the truth is, I think that there's a lot of positive attrition that's happening. A lot of businesses are realizing that they hired middle management when they didn't need to. And so even though people aren't coming back to jobs, I think with a looming recession, there won't be jobs for them to come back to in the same way that they were because companies are also realizing, oh, we don't need to put that many people. We don't need offices anymore. Why were we doing that again? So there's a whole resurgence. Yeah. And we can reward the people that aren't doing this in some ways. I like selfishly as a leader, like seeing the paychecks of some of the, you know, some of my team members who are just absolutely crushing it. It's such a, it's a good feeling to know that they're moving out into new apartments. They're buying, putting a down payment on a house or whatever. Like it's, it's really like addictive as, as a leader. Yeah. It's not, if you want, you want to see your team growing. I mean, it's, you got to choose your, your role, right? Your first year player in the game, you might be the only player on the court and you're, you're shooting guard, your point guard, you're, you're doing everything. Uh, you're shooting the free throws, you're coaching yourself, you're throwing podcasts on because there's no one else. That is the, the, it doesn't have to be lonely, but that is traditionally the lonely journey of a startup entrepreneur. You might have some co-founders and a lot of people become business partners for emotional needs because it's scary to start a business. So if you start it with someone you met in a coffee shop that all you know of this person is just positive and brainstorming. This person gets me. And, and not to say it's bad, by the way. A lot of most business partnerships are starting that exact fashion. But going and being intentional is something that you can choose to do at any stage of your life. 16 years old, 86 years old. And then I think the intentional leadership allows the people around you to grow. And you want you want those people to have an opportunity to reach their financial goals. You want you know, that's the irony of capitalism is you create an opportunity where you ha- you can attract great people. You want, you want to be able to not blink at a six-figure salary because you have an organization that is hiring five of them. And it's like that should be the goal entrepreneurially because you doing everything on your own. Elon Musk and me, we have the same 24 hours. One of them is worth $200 billion, One of them is not. I am not. So what's the difference? Like, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, I'm not saying like I want to be on whatever. He's got I'm a lot more government 20- money. That's a big difference between you and him. I think you probably well, yes. less government but the money. Cars, right? like, but from the very beginning, from, from PayPal, et cetera, right? Convincing other smart people to join you. And the trick is, there is, you can't have a trick. Because 
if you're convinced of the smarter people that you want to come, you want to feel like the heebie-jeebies when someone's coming onto your team because that's how good they are. And you're, you're trying to get everything set up so that they're ready to succeed. And you're like, what do we need, sir? Like that's, that's the servant leadership of bringing on higher caliber talent because I know I've got the same 24 hours as everybody. So in order for the business to grow, me just, oh, I just need to watch less TV and work more. Or I just need to, I need to get a Pomodoro timer. That's going to solve it for me. Nothing's going to solve it sustainably unless other people, right? It's always going to fall back on other people. And so you going from one to two to three to five to 10 to 14 to 20 to 30, that's all a process of you um, creating space for other people to become leaders in the organization. What's the result of that? The result of that is hopefully more time freedom for you as the entrepreneur, because like I said, we have 24 hours. And so for me, if I can afford to hire 25 people to do my job, that's gonna afford me the freedom to think, to work on the business. That's exactly what should be happening. If you see the CEO working 80 hours a week, well, they're, you know, yes, working here. I'm working 500 hours a week. It's all I think about. But you know what I mean? Like they're sitting there and they're in the orders and they're like, you're like, dang, man, that person has not created enough space for great no, people to join. Because if you want to be Elon Musk, you've got to do five other things too, right? You've got to start a boring tunnel company. You've got to have a flamethrower business. You've got to, and, and in a way, and, and, and you don't have to go to, you know, you don't have to take on all the world's problems to solve them, but you want to be thinking about the, the way you think about snow, right? Oh, like, oh, and it, we should have had an, a dental insurance offer, you know, just thinking about ways that you can kind of expand your footprint. And I want to just jump in. Like I just saw recently that the snow was named the third overall like D to C brand just beyond like shine and fashion Nova or something, which is crazy. First of all, what, what is that? What, what chart system is that? I have no idea. Um, yeah, I just saw that too. Uh, yeah. There's, cool. There's honor. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's could be, I mean, the, the traffic, you know, um, we're not as big as apparel, apparel and like makeup um, from a Shopify plus perspective. It's difficult to beat those guys because, the amount of repeat purchase, the frequency, uh, 25 page views per session, like it's unreal that what those guys have and have built, it's incredible. Um, but Snow, um, similar to their others, you know, Blendjet, I would throw in a similar uh, conversation, um, people that have driven over 50 million unique visitors, um, you know, on Shopify to one brand. It's like, what are the handful of those companies? Um, and then you have a lot of big brands that have that use Shopify as their, you know, C, uh, CRM or CMS. But uh, yeah, Fashion Nova, Sheen, uh, uh, Peloton, um, uh, and there were times where our media spend, right? At certain times when you're spending, you know, um, six figures, mid six figures a day online, that is a lot, especially like on Facebook, um, US, and you're spending two hundred thousand dollars a day in advertising. You reach a lot of people, uh, you know, and so we had you know tens of millions shop the website, but from a visibility perspective, huge, huge, um, and it continues to grow, and we continue to, you know, the business has looked. I would say every six months, the business is just looking drastically different than the last six months, which I could say that sort of before, but it was more from like a marketing channel perspective. Things like that. This is like product, um, international. Like, there's a lot of other stuff going on now in the snow business. But it's made it, it's made it more of a fascinating story. It's just it's definitely more complex. That's why what we we're talking about from a leadership perspective, there's no way I can like 24 hours in a day. I can't. I don't know what's going on in our UK business as well as I know in our US business today. I need my team to be you know sharp uh, to, to to do that. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with hashtag paid. With hashtag paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience and campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. And as a D2C podcast listener, you can even get up to $500 in account credit until September 30th for your first campaign. 
Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. But you need to be thinking in billions. This is something I was just going, doing a little research on your Facebook feed, saw you're speaking. I don't know. I think it is a powerhouse event about thinking in billions. Oh, uh, no, that's my buddy Howie. Yeah, think That's billions. your buddy Howie's event. Yeah. Why do entrepreneurs need to be thinking in billions these days? I think, you know, I, yeah, that, that event's going to be exciting. Um, it's, it's Howie's first, first event. Uh, he's incredible. And he put together a, a great group of speakers and, uh, you know, and I'm a part of that. And so the think billions, it's think bigger, right? I mean, ultimately it comes down to think bigger. And if you, if you think, okay, I'm selling socks online today, but I want to have a million dollar a month subscription business so that we can donate a hundred thousand socks a month. Well, we're going to need our own nonprofit problem. We're going to need someone who's handling supply chain. We might need, we might own the manufacturer. What does that look like? I might start those conversations now. And so, um, I think that, you know, thinking billions really comes down to, you know, if I'm going to do something, I want to do something with intention. And if I can think bigger, it's so hard to, even when you think you're thinking big, it's not big enough. And that's just a constant. You will never, ever, ever, I think, think big enough. Even to the end of your life, you'll say, I wish I would have thought even bigger from somewhere, from charity, from something. So I think when you're thinking in business and your your job as an entrepreneur, primarily, I think, is to architect opportunity. Um, Architect opportunity for consumers to experience, um, you know, a better product, a better experience, better results, whatever, better taste. And to, to also engineer and architect the opportunity for your team members and your partners and your investors to uh, multiply their currency in this game so that they can impact more. You're, they're trusting you with a bag of impact to multiply so they can triple that impact, quadruple that impact. And that's the way I think about it. And so I'm, I'm a very strong steward of thinking of these businesses now that think billions, I think is anything you're doing, whatever you're doing, offline, SaaS, whatever business, whatever business you're working in, think bigger, even entrepreneurially. If I'm the director of CRM, I'm thinking about how do I build a world-class loyalty program that's going to be representative of my personal brand, whether I stay with this company for 10 years or not, I wanna use this opportunity to do something incredible because incredible always foams toward the top. And if you can start by thinking in billions and then reverse engineer that thinking of other people, you might attract greater candidates, you might attract better vendors, you might attract just a better quality candidate of of people in your ecosystem that will help you manifest bigger because they're thinking, oh no, Josh is thinking 10 million tubes of toothpaste a month so, but, but had they started it? Well, they just started. They're selling a thousand a week, but this thing can scale very quickly and they've got all this stuff. And so you, you start to plant the seed of growth, but you have to back it up now. Now that I think the one layer, you know, if you're at that event or not, I, I think one layer I'm going to share is you have to over deliver and you may not be able to over deliver every time, apologize, make what's right, right again, uh, and really focus on I'm going to think billions, but not just because I want to be a billionaire or I want to have a Bugatti or I want to have a big house or all these things. It's because what I'm working on matters that much and I'm willing to spend the rest of my waking hours pouring myself into smart work, creating higher value work, delegating to great people and giving them space to grow in their leadership. That's how you build something to billions. And if you build something in that facet and maybe you end up at 23.5 million, you at least have a framework there that is growth-minded focus, growth-minded focus, something that's scalable, and you're not just using your people. It's, hey, we're thinking billions, not because I want you to work 80 hours a day, but I want us to really think about the mission of what we're doing and what this might snowball into if we just fail fast, we learn from our mistakes, we add on great team members, what might that look like? And that's kind of the North Compass, the, the North Star, the compass for the business is. What if snow is a billion dollar business? Forget the financial stuff. What does that mean? How many toothbrushes are we selling? How many how much toothpaste are we selling? How uh, how many markets are we in? How many retailers are we in it to do that? You reverse engineer the the hard work, 
And that's the secret. The secret is there is no secret. The secret is you have to do the hard work. But, but you have you to conceive of it too. You have to kind of be able to conceive of it. That's, I guess, I think that is literally the secret, the Neville Goddard kind of thing in a way, right? Is you're only going to be as successful as you kind of allow yourself to be or you sort of can perceive yourself to be. So I think that's one reason that this idea of thinking in billions, it's something that, you know, it's something I'm really thinking about these days is like how successful can, can we make this enterprise? And it's not like the media wants you to, you know, be less successful, but at the same time, like there's not a lot of people telling you what's really possible, what what you can, what you're really capable of as a human. Yeah. It's if you don't know, right. You don't know what you don't know. And I feel like that's, that is the number one problem is that, you know, uh, and then the more that you know, or the more success you have, then you, it's natural to want to build an ego, which generally means that you're not as humble or willing to ask for help. And so you've got to move away from scarcity so that you can attract other abundant minded people because that compound return of working with the same people in an industry over a decade versus, hey, can you just get me what I need tomorrow? And, you know, I want you to wear 25 hats and I'm going to pay you bare minimum and never give you a chance to kind of grow. Um, You've got to give those opportunities. You have to have that mechanism. Otherwise, you're going to build a subpar organization. Like the truth is, most organizations, 90% of them, I would say, are subpar in terms of are they truly dialed into efficiency? Are there a lot of roles in there that could be better optimized? Are, Are their people truly motivated to do their best work every day? Are they doing just enough, like the quiet quitting stuff? So I would say like 90% of businesses are, are not optimized to that point, including, you know, my own businesses and stuff. Like we're constantly working on that. But if you do it consciously from the start and you go, every business I start moving forward, I'm going to think billions because I got to at least have the framework. If you look at Walt Disney, he had that framework kind of, you know, media, film, boom, 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 theme park. All of this was built out as he's building it. You don't have to have a perfect science, but at least have intention. You might find some of your things are just hustles and you go, okay, this isn't that, but I need it to pay bills right now. Could it be three times more profitable so that I have less stress and can it be three times more delegated so I have three times more time? Then that becomes the challenge for that cash flow lifestyle business. There's nothing wrong with it. And then maybe you want to sell it two years from now to get a chunk of change once your other stuff is going. But it's that intentionality and thinking in billions in the mindset of, like you said, that framework so that you at least have the expansion versus here. Um, because as you build it, you end up with a subpar organization that you then have to rebuild for that next tranche. Because what happens if you're right? What happens if you build the largest newsletter network in business? What happens then? What happens? Well, you're going to need a production. You need, you need a studio. You need to produce shows. These are things to be thinking about. You don't want to be the bar stool. I saw bar stool is right after you on one of these lists. We want to be the bar stool of, of marketing. They're incredible. Right? They are incredible, like their impact on culture and, and what they're doing. And I think that's what's neat about marketing. I, I actually, I, I want to get into Powerhouse a little bit, but I first need to get your take. We're talking about abundance. We're talking about, we're talking about abundance in one of the scariest economic times probably either of us has ever been around for. How are you, how are you uh, planning for Q4 and what are your overall thoughts on the economy? So I had, I, uh, you know, fortunate to have uh, mentors and friends of mine that are, you know, in their, into their 80s. And I asked, you know, uh, one of my best friends and, and mentors, I said, well, you know, you've been in real estate for 60 years. What do you think of real estate? And what do you think of economy? And, and he said, oh, it's, it's a cycle. And he goes, uh, it's all the same. He goes, you don't, the thing is, the younger you are, the higher propensity you have to trade, which means trade locations. I got to move. I got to trade jobs. I got to trade businesses. I've got to sell my business now because what if something happens? So that kind of, I was not expecting that response from him. I thought he was going to say, oh, you know, it's going down the drain and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, this is nothing. He goes, it's fine. He goes, it swings to the left, it swings to the right, finds a little bit in the middle for a little while, then it swings to the left, it swings to the right. And he goes, everything's going to be just fine. He goes, you got to listen for the signals, you know, and that's that's really important because you can't control the macroeconomic features. You can't, like, you know, it's like trying to be a stockbroker. Like, you can't be a stockbroker. Just buy buy a mutual fund, an index fund, or invest in yourself, 
uh, hire a personal trainer or go to therapy. Like that's going to be way better off than buying, you know, AMC stock. So it's like that's, but it, unfortunately the get rich quick, the magic pill is so strong. It, it, the greed, it's greed. That's what keeps the pendulum swinging. So, so greed is hanging on. And, you know, the longer we can push that pendulum higher, the further and faster it's got to swing back. So that's the thing is, is I look at it and I'm, I'm not an economist, not a financial advisor, but as someone who, you know, is looking at my situation, my companies, I'm really focused on the signals. I think there's going to be great opportunities to acquire businesses over the next five years. I think there's going to be great businesses to generate uh, generational wealth over the next you know, five to 10 years, you have to pay an entry fee um, for the wealth game. And so you have to choose when you get rich, essentially. So it's like, you get rich here, things are really expensive. So multiplying your wealth is that much more difficult. So if we're, if we're zooming all the way out from an entrepreneur capitalistic you know, strategy, I'm not scared at all because if you have access to capital or you have access to capital to your business, you have a cash flowing business, you can make more cash flowing. There's always a business for cash flowing businesses, so valuation-wise, so profitability, it's always going to be there, and it's just a shift, you know. Really, if I could just pause for like however long, five years, and then hit play again, things are for the most part going to remain similar, but much more opportunities will emerge. So last time around uh, with influencer marketing, it gave Snow the opportunity to wedge uh, a strong premium positioning in a very large market. What window will open next? And so really for me, I'm waiting for Apple's ad platform to come out and be more open. Uh, we know that every time there's a new ad product, they reduce the cost to get people you know, excited about it. So, you know, for me, you know, it's Pinterest, whether it's Pinterest, TikTok, Facebook, over the air TV, radio, billboard, retail media, uh, affiliate, blog, SEO, Whatever the channel is, it's not going anywhere, right? And like e-commerce is only growing every year. The forecast, it's still going to grow. What's going to happen though is businesses that were built on poor pillars are simply just going to fall apart. It's been happening for 12 months now. Uh, and we see it run rampant, you know, as seeing our larger community of e-com founders, SaaS founders, e-com ecosystem, people that rely on fundraising, SPAC market went to zero, IPO markets dried up. So you see all these effects. What's the result? I think it's a great time to be alive. I think it's the best time to be alive ever. And the less money you have today is totally fine because the entry prices are dropping. And so it's an opportunity for you to learn, level up your skill set for the modern world and really put yourself in a position where you can uh, buy stocks are going to be on sale. Houses will be on sale. Everything's businesses are going to be on sale. Everything's going to be on sale. So think about that uh, scenario, if that becomes true, what happened from 2008 to 2012? Just go right back to the history books of 10 years ago. Look at what happened then, what went on sale? Businesses, houses. Okay, maybe the houses don't go on sale. Maybe the real estate thing's different this time, fine. But businesses will still go on sale because we have a retiring baby boomer population. So great businesses, service businesses, SaaS businesses, What's the reason for for um, exiting news retirement? You know, I, I want to live my life. Like you know, COVID scared me, and it taught me that you know I've got to cherish my grandkids, and I've got to go out there and travel the world. And I'm going to sell this three million dollar EBITDA business to you. So this is all good news to me. The downside is that from a consumer standpoint, they're going to tighten up. You know, it's it's not going to be they're not going to splurge. I'm not going to splurge. Anyone's not going to splurge the same way when your stock portfolio is down 80%, when your Bitcoin's down 80%, when your real estate Zillow Zestimate's down 80%, you just bought the house, you're gonna be freaking out. No matter how rich you are, you're gonna be freaking out. So so buying you know, a $5,000 handbag is not gonna be as attractive as buying you know a $20 lipstick that still makes you feel good. And so thinking about those things are very, very important. So I think it's all good. I think all the aggregators in the space, SaaS aggregators, e-com aggregators, I think it's great. Everything that's happening right now is, is creative destruction. I think it's part of the natural business cycle. And honestly, people are, are learning. You have to learn. I, I, I built so many businesses, I can't even count. And every time I build a business that's not built on a pillar, 
it's just a hustle or it's on a trend or something like that. Once things dry up and you don't have pillars, you can't survive. And Snow is able to survive today because we had a running start and we spent over $100 million advertising to position our brand so that people recognize our brand. So our starting a brand today and jumping on Facebook to sell a product and build the brand awareness while building conversion, it's that much more difficult today. You had a launching base to like, like to go from, I was just even like teeth whitening. When I, when I look for snow, I still find a lot of the language around teeth whitening, but you've really expanded into this whole oral care market, really broadened out the products that you're offering. Overall, how's that, how's that transition going from teeth whitening to the broader oral care market? Uh, it's going well, but it's tricky because you don't want to do too much. You know, it's, you know, like I have one of our, this one sound like hotcakes now, but our mouthwash, the, the question before was, do we have mouthwash? Yes or no? We, we, we didn't. And it's like, should we have mouthwash? Yes or no? So we surveyed all of our customers. We surveyed them all the time. Yeah. I mean, they would, they use other mouthwash. They would like to switch to ours. We, we've seen that. And it was, a, it was a process, right? I'm, I'm, I'm delaying how I'm explaining this on purpose to kind of uh, accentuate that it was a lot of hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. We, we had to get our ducks in a row from a channel perspective. Like what, what Neiman Marcus is carrying, you know, is going to be different than what Urban Outfitters is carrying. And like, it's different than what Target's carrying. And so looking at the category, you start to think about, like I say, you're a sock brand, like in our case, we're oral care brand. If you're in socks, like, do we go shoes? Do we go activewear? Do we go, you know, more socks, uh, women? Like, what do we do, right? Do we go kids? And so for us, it's always been pretty straightforward. And it continues to be that way because starting the business, we didn't start with a toothbrush. We didn't start with toothpaste. We started with teeth whitening and teeth whitening consumables, a teeth whitening um, system and systems, and then consumables to supply that system around whitening. And then bringing that whitening benefit to the other products that our customers are asking for. So mouthwash, we need a whitening mouthwash, toothpaste, we need a whitening toothpaste. Um, and then they wanted a toothbrush. Uh, and then they wanted other ways to express, so strips, that was a huge launch for us. But today uh, it's going incredibly well and we just got, we're just getting started. We just have one strips product on market today. We just have, and it's constantly in top 10, wherever you're looking at it, top five, whatever in terms of sales. And then mouthwash, we just have one. We just, actually we have a second one now, strawberry mojito. Uh, mouthwash. So we're having fun with our flavors, we're having fun with our packaging, we're learning from our customers, and we're constantly iterating on packaging, um, usage, how long it lasts, things like that. So today we have what you would expect of an oral care brand. Do you have a toothbrush? Yes, we do. Do you have a mouthwash? Yes, we do. Do you have strips? Yes, we do. Do you have um, toothpaste? Yes, we do. We have powder that you can put on toothpaste, even not our own toothpaste. So anyway, the, the shelves now you'll see on the Snow website have 5 x over the last 12 months of what we offer to our customers. Um, and now we're taking that a step further with other treatment uh, treatment issues, right? We have customers that have bleeding gums. We have customers that have halitosis. They have a lot of dental work. We have veneers. So we have our veneer toothpaste uh, that's coming out. And so, you know, specific areas that we've identified in the category but particularly to our customer because dentures, that's a big category, but that's not next on our list because based on our customers, our retailers, our, our sales mix, we kind of have an idea of that. So that's where we're at today. We're filling our shelves. It's still pretty heavy on the whitening focus, but whitening plus sensitivity, whitening plus bleeding gums, uh, whitening plus bad breath. And then we're able, you got you to gotta do things methodically when you do that. If you expand too much and we started to come out with skincare tomorrow, with a whole you know, cream and system, that's gonna alienate a lot of our core customers because they're like, wait, we really would have benefited from a mouthwash, that's what we really need. And so we wanted to make sure that we're balancing breakthrough innovation with sustainable innovation, which is listening to our customers, listening to the market, and then where, where the vision of the brand is, we need to be able to feel we're, we're looking at grocery, where you're looking at the snow business today, .com, Digital grocery, in-store grocery, uh, electronic superstore, uh, high-end specialty, and then professional. So you have these different areas now. So now the products are no longer just throw them up on Shopify, throw them on Amazon, give them to our partners. There's a strategy that now has to follow that based on the channels. So it allows us to launch more products, 
but it also gives us the opportunity to be a lot more methodical where we're not launching 15 flavors tomorrow, although we could, it just wouldn't make sense for our business today. Very cool. It's amazing to see the the growth of the product to get the recognition that you're getting. What? Uh, okay, let's bump it up then. If we were to give you five hundred thousand for Q4, so we used to say fifty k. If we were to give you five hundred thousand for Q4 to see the biggest sort of incremental impact, where would you put it for snow? Uh, you know, I would say we've been doing a lot of work on our affiliate program and reaching out to as many bloggers, vloggers, uh, content creators, but, but mainly on the SEO side of things. So yes, we're an oral care, but because we're snow, we also talk to the hair care consumer. We talk to the skincare consumer. And so when we think about these large skincare blogs and, and communities online, they get all this traffic from Google. If we create a program with them that aligns our incentives for them to drive new customers to us. And we only have to pay when a customer buys, they get paid every time a customer buys. And now we have them included in our subscription program as well. So for the partners that are driving subscribers, they're getting a cut of the subscription program as well. So 500,000 would go into um, uh, maybe some bonuses for some of these bloggers, the big ones to get them going on promoting these products. I would get them emailing for the products as well. So if they've got a million moms on their list and they're going to email a 25% offer, you know, I would pay for that media buy essentially because I know that they're dialed in. I know how many are going to click. So those are some from a media buying perspective. I also think um, for Q4, normally I would say PR, PRs from an earned and owned perspective, but you can do PR from a paid perspective too, which is purchasing the homepage, like a homepage buy, of, you know, um, depending on our industry, you know, goodhousekeeping.com, that may cost $100,000 to take the whole homepage of Good Housekeeping, but 2 million people are going to see that ad, you know, 100,000 are going to click it, 10,000 are going to visit your website. So those are some bigger things for Snow in the sense that we've got some of those conversion metrics set up. And then the last piece that I would, that I would focus on is where the intent is, Amazon ads, Google ads, not just TikTok or not just awareness, I would really put it into where are people searching for my exact product and how can I make sure that I'm all over that and utilizing that money to sponsor ads, sponsor placements, whatever the platform allows for. I want to make sure during Q4 that anyone that's going and searching because the intent's going to go up. So you're going to, you, even if you do more Facebook, more Instagram, more TikTok, that's great but the search volume is also gonna go up. So you want I would really look at where are people gonna be searching for gifts, Amazon, Walmart.com, Google, Bing, and make sure my business is all over that so that when people are ready to go, we have the first chance at converting them. I love it. We were just talking with someone yesterday and they were mentioning that their affiliate program was five to one ROAS essentially. And so their their full answer to the to the 50K question was to really put it into incentivization to that channel because it's like, it's also the channel that keeps on giving. Like once you have an affiliate, their ROAS kind of can can go on indefinitely as well, right? We try to work, you know, we, we do our best. I say try, but I, I say try because we try very hard to make sure that we're working with, because there's an 80-20 rule with your affiliate uh, program, right? There's just naturally, you're gonna have some big bloggers that are gonna move most of your sales and the others aren't going to add up to a fraction of that. But you want to continue to, again, it's cultivating that environment where people can grow in that program too. And so we're creating um, special programs sometimes with what it makes sense. Like if there's a huge website, they've got 5 million visitors a month from Google, and they want to run 50% off your first month for whitening toothpaste, a special offer for them. Well, let's create a landing page for them, special coupon code, graphics for that to split test. Let's give them maybe up to X amount per sale, as generous as we can be for that partner when all the incentives align. And sometimes, you know, some of our homepage buys generate six figures in sales just from one homepage buy. Our affiliate partners, especially during Q4, that's when there's already a lot of intent. So anything they do is gonna work that much better. So it's perfect timing to, to any time in Q4 to jump in there. And even if you miss Q4 or Q1, you're able to go back to those people and they're looking for advertisers, they're looking for sponsorships, they're looking for affiliate programs. But that's the thing is a lot of people will go and 
be like, okay, I want a bunch of affiliates. Well, just go on Google and search. If you sell, um, uh, you know, protein bars, best protein bars, who ranks there right now? Let me reach out to these publications and these people and figure out how can I create an opportunity where they're going to make more money promoting this better product that I believe is better for their readers. And you multiply it. That's the thing with the affiliate program is that the sooner you start it and the more effort you put in that direction and educating yourself and recruiting those people, because it is manual, a lot of it's manual, then you end up resulting like some months on the D2C site for snow, you know, 20 plus percent of our D2C revenue is coming from our affiliate program. And over 90% of it is non-Facebook because we don't allow Facebook in the program since our Facebook spend is so large internally. So we have built this diversification in our sales mix and our traffic channel mix, crowdsourcing it and being generous to our affiliate partners. Now we got to reinvest by creating better landing pages, better creative, you know, you know, what listening to the affiliate partners and seeing how can we make more money together. And so, yeah, I think that would be a great use of 50 grand. I would use up to the whole 500 grand if it meant because it's a performance channel. But then I would also be thinking about where are people searching for my products today? No matter how big Google, I, if I sell protein bars, protein bars. Am I on there today? Can I create a six pack, a 12 pack where I can justify the ROAS in dominating Google for these keywords during Q4? Look at Google Trends and see which of your keywords spike during December, during November. Yes, costs may go up, but keep in mind, conversion rate's gonna double. So everyone's looking to buy, they're looking to buy a lot, they're looking to buy gifts. Regardless of the macroeconomic climate, people are still looking for a great deal, they're looking for great value. But it's much easier to convince someone who's already searching best protein bars than a random Facebook visitor, for example. 100%, especially in this environment. Josh, I want to thank you so much for coming on the DZ podcast again. Uh, I know we're going to be – let's connect again soon because I think we've got we've got a lot to talk about. And it's too, uh, you're not going to be able to make our, our event this, uh, this time at C-Suite, but I th- we'll have to ride again soon. We will. And uh, we'll chat offline. And, and thank you so much for having me on again. And it's, it's a pleasure. And I'll do this – uh, for as long as, as long as you keep inviting me, I will keep coming on. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Josh. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at direct to consumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C podcast. We'll see you next time.